Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Rankable episode 31. I'm your host as always, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at iPool Rank. And today we're going to be having a great topic planned out for you guys. We're going to be talking about B2B approaches and how to level up your sales skills. And I got a very, very special guest, man. This brother right here, I was actually introduced to by a good friend and follower of mine, uh, Sharon Carter. Shout out to Sharon. Um, and she told me right off the back, like, you have to speak to my cousin. I think you guys will hit it off. But this young brother has been, you know, with companies such as Morgan Stanley, Neiman Marcus. Uh, he's also worked at places like um, Northwestern Mutual, was a VP of sales at around 23 years old, is now the digital sales account manager at a huge firm, which is Citrix, if you guys know of it. Um, I would like to introduce a very, very special guest, man, Gregoire Narcisse. How are you, my brother? No, yo, look, man, I'm going to take that little snippet on every one of my customer calls moving forward. I'm using it. <laughs> That's going to get me a lot of sales going forward, man. I appreciate you so much. How you doing today, man? I'm, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing great, brother. I'm glad you, I'm glad you're here, man. I've been looking forward to this conversation, man. And um, I appreciate everybody that's watching out here, man. We got a great show for you, and then we'll we'll just get right into it, brother. So the one thing that that really intrigued me from our first conversation when you told me your story, man, I was like, what? The? <laughs> this dude is sharp, man. I gotta have him, and I think it's so inspiring. So I would love to start there, brother. Like, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you led into, you know, your your sales roles and the sales career? Yeah, man, absolutely appreciate you. It's crazy how this all came together, man. I'm so happy we're on this pod. Uh, you know, my background, I guess it's it's a little interesting. It's a multitude of cultures that kind of all mashed together and then made me who I am. So my dad's from Haiti, hence the French name. My mom is from Barbados, and I was born and raised in California. And the crazy thing is every school I went to up until university, at FSU, was all in French. So everything I did was in French. I mean, literally the only class I had in English was English class. And so, and so I'm doing, I'm doing everything in this French system. I'm kind of going through the motions, everything's working well. And then one year I find out I skipped seventh grade. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. So start things are starting to like, you know, they're going a little fast. I'm like, yeah. right, well, we'll see what happens. So then I get to 10th grade and I get this letter in the mail and it says, would you like to enroll at Broward Community College and essentially do your first two years of college with your last year of high school? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I'd be leaving the French system. It's a little different. And you said, you know what, yeah. why not? Why not take that jump, that leap of faith, right? Absolutely. And so at 14, I enroll at uh, BCC. And so you got to imagine four that's years crazy. old freshman on a college campus. It's a little different. It was like, <laughs> oh, like this, is, this is a little bit of a culture shock. And 16, I'm transferring to Florida State. So now I'm a 16 year old on FSU campus. And I'm just, again, I'm literally just going with the flow, man. People used to say that I was rushing it or that I'm trying to go too fast if something's happening. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm literally just going with the flow. And yeah. I get to the end of FSU and I'm sitting there and it was so funny, I can recall it. I was with, I was at this garden party and mm -hmm. uh, there was only two people that were there. And it was this older little couple and I walked up to them and it turns out that she was the provost of the university. And I'm like, whoa. And so my parents have been buzzing in my ear. They're like, you need to find out who the youngest ever graduate from FSU is. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So I asked yeah. the provost, I'm like, hey, who's the youngest ever graduate from the university? And she tells me, well, I don't know, how old are you? And I'm like, well, I'm 18. She's like, what? Well, you're not, stop. And so I, I will never forget these words. All she said is, I'll get back to you. And we fast forward to graduation and I'm sitting in all the pews and everybody, you know, there's 3000 students. We're all waiting. We all got our cap and gowns. We're ready to roll. And the, I see the Dean of FSU president. He gets up there 
And he's like, we've looked as far beyond in all our history. We've never seen anyone as young as Gregoire Narcisse to graduate, youngest graduate ever. I'm like, wait, what? I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like flabbergasted. And I'm walking across the stage to get my diploma. And all I see is the provost sitting in the back and she winks at me and she mouths. And I'll never forget, she mouths up. She goes, I told you I'd get back to you. And I'm like, stop. Unreal. That's crazy, Unreal. man. And then, so you graduate fully at, at what, 18, 19? 18 years old with a bachelor's, transferred to the University of Miami to do my master's, and I'm getting my master's degree at 19, man. So school is over Ooh. like that. Man, come on, man. That's champion that's right crazy. there. That's right crazy. there, my man. I love it, man. That's what's up, man. And, uh, <laughs> and from there, though, man, so so you're, you're 19 years old. You got your master's. You got the whole world in front of you, man. You could go into any any opportunity, any industry, man. Why? What led you into sales? I think I would, it's in my blood. I can't even lie, man. My biggest influences in my life have been my parents. And my dad is a salesperson. I've watched him every single day of my life, basically be a freelancer, go hustle, figure out some way to make a yeah. sale out of something. And then my mom, she might not be a salesperson by trade, but she could sell. <laughs> she, she is a, she's a creative person at heart. And so, you know, listening to the two of them, I think at some point I was like, this just seems like a natural fit for me. And yeah. everyone, I think some people said you should go into law or, you know, the, the traditional things that island folks say, like you need to go yeah. into be a doctor or a lawyer. And I'm like, I just enjoy speaking with people. Like, I yeah. love that aspect of it all. So sales just seem like a natural fit for my personality. Yeah. And then what would you say? Because you, you kind of touched on it just now, but like, you know, with everything happening right now with the pandemic, I know for us at just any every, all industries, you're in sales. You know, I think everybody had the same experience. You were doing your regular sales stuff. You had your regular pipeline. And then March 10th came or whenever the shutdown happened. And then things just went this way, that way, this way. So I'm curious to hear from you, brother. Like, what are some things that you implemented, you know, during the pandemic that's really been helpful for you so we can, you know, help other sellers out there that may be struggling with uh, with the current climate? That's a great question. So, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the time my personality has been geared to that in-person face-to-face sales. Yeah. And so it was an adjustment to obviously go into what's now considered basically that digital selling world. And yeah. the way I look at it is this is just an opportunity for us to really make sure not only our personality shining more, but I look at it as how can I provide that value to our clients? in as fast of a way as possible, so much more now than anything. I think the sure. term that's been going around a lot is experience selling. Yeah. And it's all about how are we curating that experience for our clients in a way that doesn't require us to be face-to-face. -face. I look at that as, you know what, maybe in the past I might've gone and taken a client to lunch. Well, now I can just pay for a lunch to get delivered to a client and we can just chat with each other on video and we're having that virtual lunch right there and then. Same concept but just in a different format. And it's little That's things it. like that where I think we have to start looking at taking a lot of those in-person skills and realizing a lot of them translate to the digital world. It's just that we've never had the urgency or the desire to really go into that realm. And now it's a necessity. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head, brother. And I, I love that idea of sending somebody Uber lunch and then having the lunch on. I love that, man. I, I think right now, I think what everybody yeah. should be focused on, on on B2B sales is how do you create, like you said, the experience selling, but how do you create a frictionless sale? Right. So how you know, right now, everybody, if we would expect mm -hmm. a brand to hit us with an ad that is specifically targeted to us, 
you need to be creating content or being where your buyers are so they can know more about you and so they can connect with you immediately. Nobody wants a gate and you know, know it's gonna be a sales process. They've got to go through your website. They got to read this long brochure, this infographic. Then yeah. I've got to look at the competitors. But if you're creating content and staying top of mind all the time and creating experience, it's a such an easier sell. Now it's like, hey, hey, gee, I, I saw you on LinkedIn, man. Or gee, I saw you over here. Or gee, you, you know what I mean? And, and then it just leads to a better conversation where your personality can really shine through. So I think I think that's a great point you hit on, brother. And like, what do you think are some of the what skills you think are the most important when it comes to B2B selling? Like, because you know, as you know, man, I think I read a report the other day where it said 77% of sales folks end up either getting terminated or fired within the first year. So it's the highest turnover, you know basically job role in, in any industry. So what do you think are some things that sellers could be doing right now to make sure that, you know, they sharpen up their skills and, and stay on top, you know, and keep hitting that quota, quota man. man? Man, look, that's a two-part question too. Because yeah. that, that one addresses the salesperson in and of themselves. And then also those who are hiring and our sales executives moving forward. And so let me take that in two sections. So let's focus on the salesperson, right? Sales is such a hilarious job to me in one sense, man. <laughs> It is probably the single most simple job that has every way in the book to make it more complex. <laughs> and we just we find we find different ways to figure out how we're going to do X, Y, and Z. What's that specific cadence you use? What's the right verbiage? All those different things. And we forget that the core of selling is how do we identify problems and figure out what that customer pain is, and then how do we provide the solution? That's it. Yeah. And so. To me, some of the deepest skill sets that a seller needs right now is how to sharpen the quantifiable um, qualifying skills. Is how yeah. are you going about when you're qualifying and speaking with your actual clients and prospects and figuring out how to quantify a lot of that pain, but then yeah. also making sure that you show them, I understand what you're going through. Exactly. That empathy is something that's so needed right now in today's world and showing you know, this is something where I speak your language. I know and understand exactly. your lingo. I'm understanding what your business pain points are. Here's a solution that's going to solve everything that you're looking for. Oh, by the way, I'm also seeing this a lot in the marketplace. And and that level of getting into those deep relationships is the skill set that needs to be done the most. And then the second yeah. thing, man, and I'm seeing this so often with some of my peers, with those that are super successful, and also those that I look at and go, you know what? I want to emulate a lot of the skill sets that they have is there's a natural need for adaptability that I think is sometimes being lost in sales. Totally. And totally. where you see that most manifested is exactly with what's going on right now. A salesperson by nature should be adaptable. Why? We're in a roller coaster business. We can't, <laughs> we can't ever flow the way that our sales do. We've got to find a way to adapt as market trends change. And exactly. here you are. A massive, a massive event change, global, a global pandemic happens, right? And what's the one question everybody's asking? Well, how do sales adapt? How do we do this? And in my mind, I'm like, well, it's, it should be in our innate nature to adapt. Exactly. So that, that skill, if you're going into sales or you're in sales right now, to me, it's, it sounds a little rudimentary, but just hone that ability to adapt. Realize that it cannot always be the same. You have to be able to ebb and flow with the different changes going on in the market with your clients. I think that's so and, that you hit the nail on the head, brother. Like you, you kill you, you drop that. That's a rankable <laughs> moment right there. <laughs> Is anybody watching? That's some gems right there. You know what I mean? Because I think I think a biggest thing, right? Because the people who like sales wise that have been doing it for twenty 
20 years, right? They've been doing the same process. They do the qualifying, they have their sales methodology, they do their mm -hmm. follow-up, they have the way to do prospecting, closing, the whole nine, right? But now it kind of just flipped everything on their head where you can't just send cold emails out and it's just going to work anymore. So you have to yeah. be able to adapt and be able to be, like you said, that multi-channel approach, right? My people on Facebook, if they're on Twitter, if they're on LinkedIn, if, if they're on Clubhouse, I'm in the room. You know what I'm saying? You got to be exactly. there. You exactly. be there. <laughs> adapt where your people are. Man. Exactly, man. And you know, you hit you hit it so funny too. That's the irony of sales. We ask our clients to change all the time. <laughs> and then when it's time for us to change, it's so funny. We, we don't want to. And you know, you can see that where sales is like it's like a dichotomy. We yeah. need to change with times, but you also have to be able to stick to those processes that are working. And like sales is one of those unique industries that I always find where we'll find something that works. I mean, I'm telling you, how many salespeople have you spoken with? They say, I use the sales tactic and it worked. I'm like batting 100%, one for one, done. And we get bored and we want to do something different. And yes. then we change to something that doesn't work and we're like, man, it didn't work this time. And you're like, what happened? And, and you know, I want to hit on something real quick. Um, yeah. It was the second part of that question you asked earlier. And I think this relates to sales executives and what we're looking for, because that number 77%, getting fired or leaving that churn, it's it's horrendous. And I think the way that that starts to change is look at where we are today. We're in a, the single best time to be not only a creative seller, but also from a hiring of talent and acquisition of workforce, just assets. This is yeah. the best time to be in because you have a global talent pool now. Gone are those barriers of, okay, well, you have to live in this zip code, essentially, to be able to work at this job. Well, yeah. I mean, my talent pool is literally wherever I want now, because why does it matter where somebody's working from? And so I think now what has to happen is a lot of sales executives need to start looking and broadening their horizon and saying, okay. you know what, what are the key constructs that we're looking for in our salespeople? And how do we go about making sure that we can find that in somebody that's trainable? Because the craziest thing is if you look at a sales organization, right, you rarely find the trifecta. And the trifecta to me is a sales org that is excellent at onboarding, yeah. excellent at the ongoing training, and then excellent at repeating that process. And you find sales orgs that are good at one, sometimes they're good at two, but you rarely find an organization that's good at all three. Not you preaching to the choir brother i've been in some situations where like you said it's only been one or it's, sometimes it's been none right and i'm curious to know like for well, at least organizations right now right this is new to everybody so if you don't have somebody that's already thinking creatively of how to sell and how to get in front of more buyers and stay top of mind like you have to you have to be able to shift and adjust and i think what what kind of training is going on i haven't heard too many people doing training right now like everything i've done as far as like reaching out linkedin you know staying the multi-channel approach I, I just, it's just in me, you know, I was doing it already. I came from a social media background, but not everybody is privy to that. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the, the biggest thing right now. I think older sales execs have to look at how can I arm my sales team with the information and resources they need, as well as, you know, having their back, right? How can we empower them to be this creative seller and not just stick in this box of, hey, this is what we do. This is your tone. This is your language. Instead of just letting the employee be themselves and then just drive that traffic. Because every every brand mentioned is a good one. You know, as long as you're not doing nothing crazy, you know, which I'm sure we, as professionals, we're not. 
but you have to just make it happen, right? Be creative, you know, reach out to those people, start a podcast, do, do, do different things that you would have thought that been crazy two, three years ago. Something. Now is the time. Now is the time. You have to build that foundation, brother. And, I, and I'm curious too, man, because I like, you're super 100%. sharp. Man. What's your sales methodology that you use? Like, do you have like a do you like bad? Do you medic? Like, like what's your what's your Medic is a big one. Medic's a big one. I, I got to shout out my my manager, Joe Biden, because he is like the shout medic guru. The medic <laughs> guru. And he is so keen on making sure that it's drilled into us. And, you know, I, I, I've been told I'm a charismatic salesperson. That's that's what I've been told. I'm not going to deny that, okay? And so my, my sales methodology is a combination of not only being deep into the quantifiable and really looking to identify that business pain, but also in culture and, and really like cultivating and just nurturing really deep personal relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm often asked, what is it that makes me unique as a salesperson? I don't know if I can point to one specific thing. There's, yeah. I, I might say that I work extremely hard, but I'm sure there's someone out there pulling 36 hour days. They're just going into the next day. Yeah, for and sure. I can say maybe I'm great at qualifying, but there's always somebody that's better at qualifying. I think my unique skill set is in establishing rapport as fast as possible. Yeah. And I look at doing that by researching and seeing, okay, if I'm gonna get on a call with somebody, what's a little bit of background I can find out about? What's that one little point that I can find that's gonna tie me to that person? Figuring something out to break the ice a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I look at, how can I look at just relating to somebody a little bit more, understanding what is it exactly that they're that's keeping them up at, late at night because that's going on in the industry. So yeah. my methodology is really just centered around how do you go about making it where that other buyer on the line, even in B2B sales, realizes that you that they're a person. Yeah. Like just straight up. Like there's too many times in sales where we look at the the buyer as dollar sign. And that's, that's great. It. Don't get me wrong. I want to get the sale at the end of the day. But if you treat somebody as a transaction and that's how you're going to view them, believe me. In this day and age, they're not going to be purchasing from you much longer. People know it's it. Not you can feel it. You can feel, you can feel the sense. I, and it's oh, it's yeah. crazy that you said that. I, I brought that up. I think I posted that maybe a couple of months ago. It was like, we're conditioned as salespeople because we use all these tools. We use like Zoom Info. We use Discover Org, all that stuff. And all you see is a name and an email. So all you're thinking is when I'm exporting that into my CRM, is like dollar sign quota. This is what I'm going to do. This is going to be part of this or whatever the case may be. And that's further from the truth. And that's I think- it. And I, I think me and you are similar in that regard is like the report, right? Like building that report is so huge right now. And it could be anything for me doing research. It could be just being real and just be like, yo, my kids are in the background here. Your kids mm -hmm. in the background, man, how old, man? What is this? And how school, man, how's been home learning been? And all that other good stuff. And by the time we get into five minutes in the conversation, your guard is so let down that you're like, I feel comfortable. And then from there, once you do those, Absolutely. you know, you stick to your process and get to that business pain. If you're a good person and you know the pain and you have a solution, why wouldn't you get the sale? I mean, you see, that's what I'm saying. That's why I get the people and then buy and go, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you? So that's crazy. You know, it's funny, man. Um, I think about that sales methodology, though, and where it manifested from. Going kind of a little bit back to your first question and, like, you know, my journey and how this all started. Mm -hmm. I look at how I ended up at Citrix. And how I ended up at Citrix is probably the perfect embodiment of where I saw my sales methodology in the first place. You know, my um, I can trace back the little things I do in sales, literally to the things that I saw growing up. I watched my mom go through so many different things in life 
where even as the industry started to get younger, she would look, how can I get a little bit more creative to make something relate to the people I'm trying to reach? I watched my father assimilate knowledge faster than anyone I know. This is a man that literally had no knowledge in construction and then went into construction and built a supermarket in three years. And so when I wanted to join Citrix, I was like, how am I gonna get in the door? And so I actually went on LinkedIn, scoured through all these different contacts, ended up finding seven that looked like they were like the big top dogs of sales, right? And so I pulled out a Sharpie marker, I pulled out my laptop and a printer. And I started going on LinkedIn. I looked up what their interests were, what organizations they were part of, nonprofits that they supported, different alma maters they had, printed out news articles that related to those, highlighted them, said, okay, these things I find interesting. Laminated my resume, put in a Starbucks gift card for like $5 and basically <laughs> said, look, let's just talk. Let's just chat. Let's chat on something. And I put them all in the mail. I made sure there was a return. There was a return thing on the, the USPS so I could see when they actually received it and they signed, right? And, and I'll shout out Lee Sellers over at Citrix. He's the only person out of the seven that actually responded and said, you're crazy. I'm willing to meet with you for a little bit. And you fast forward and I look at that and I go, in today's day and age, it's that level of creativity and even further beyond what I what I even just showed as an example that sellers are going to start making a mark in this world. And this new yeah. world where you have executives that are sitting at their home desk now and essentially there is information overlord because everyone is contacting them now instead of exactly. like before. It's what are those little things that we can do to actually distinguish ourselves and make it where we stand out more than the competition. That that's a great point, man. I love that story, brother. And I was talking, I was actually talking to one of my good friends that's actually looking for a role right now. He's like, yo, Jared, man, it's so hard to, to find a role right now. He's been looking for about a couple of months now, maybe even close to a year. And I said the same thing you just said, right? Like, what are you doing to break through the noise, right? So if there's millions of people that are unemployed right now, which, you know, which is very unfortunate, you know, what can you do to get to those buyers? The fact that you wrote down the list of those particular sellers, you just took a, a wild guess. You wrote it on a Sharpie, you a made the investment guess. on a $5 gift card to seven people. What we were talking about, what, what, 30 something bucks, 40 bucks or something like that, right? Like, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's crazy. And that was a great investment. And all it takes is one yes to change your life. One yes. Oh, so I, I, I love is, that. That is the best hundred bucks that I've spent in my entire life to, to send those out and get the gift card. That's the best hundred dollars I've spent in my entire life. That's crazy, man. I, I love that story, man. And how, and then once, once you got in the door, right? Cause now, now I've got to ask you to follow up. So once you got in the door, man, like what was like, first of all, how was that process like? So once you met with Lee, he said, everything was good, man, you're crazy. And then you guys just built the response or you built the bond. And then he kind of put you through the sales process or, or the interview process. I'll tell you straight up, man. I'm pretty sure everybody Citrix still thinks I'm crazy, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, as he put, I went through the little interview with him, which was like a five minute coffee meetup. We sat down for three hours. And that's crazy. then I came back and I, I interviewed with three different managers and I'll never forget, I get the phone call and I was interviewing with two different companies at the time. And I literally told myself, I said, look, I'm gonna leave it to the universe. Whichever company calls is the one that I'm going with. And I get a phone call from a different company in the Citrix. And this is the exact words they say, hey, our recruiting 
vice president, unfortunately is on leave for the next two weeks and we're no longer going to be able to process your application right now. Citrix called within like 20 minutes, Lee's on the phone. He's like, they're grading your interviews. What can you start? And, and it's so <laughs> funny how life works out like that, man. Yeah. But I, I think the culture is, is that of, if you fought so hard to get in the door, let's now see what, what are your chops? What do you have? What can happen? Yeah, exactly. Let's, and, put him in, and, let's put him in the game, coach. Yeah, it's like this, this, this trial by fire. And, and I remember I got there. I'm like, you know what? I think I can do this. I got this. And, and I just started to assimilate information like a sponge from those around me, man. And then next thing you know, off to the races. That, that's crazy, man. And what, so, and I, I think this is something that's super helpful for a lot of sellers too, right? So once you got into the organization, right, what are some of the things or how did you align yourself with other people in the organization to be successful as you are now? What are some well, steps? I think the first thing, the first thing you got to do, man, is you got to find out who the top sellers. Are. You got to find out who are the people that you want to start em emulating. So I found out who are the top sellers. You look at the metrics and the stats and the sales. Everybody got the leaderboards, and I'm yeah. like, what are you doing that's so different from everyone else? And then everyone has a repeatable process. So it's about looking to see, okay, what can I start to look and do and start to implement in my own way? And then that sales methodology started to really hone. It started to develop. I really mm -hmm. started to see, okay, this, this is how. I can learn from a lot of the people that are around me at Citrix. And then not only that, but combine it with some past experiences. So I, I basically looked at a lot of what the top people were doing and any advice that I could give to those sellers out there that are joining a new organization is don't try to reinvent the wheel before you've even learned what successful people at the company are doing. You've got to figure out what their processes are first replicate that then add your own spin on top of it totally agree i can't even add nothing else to it because that's something that that's something that a lot i i've done in my past but i think a lot of sellers we have that ego and i, I then you know what i'm talking oh, about right yeah. especially if you was a top performer at the past place and you've had some success you're like man i know this i know medic man i don't need to talk to john who's actually bringing in two million a year i don't need to talk to that guy right and those are the guys who net who, who kind of stumble out the gates but like you said when you go right to john and just say hey usually john is going to be open because he wants to tell you because he he wants to kind of flex and say hey man this is what i'm doing man he wants to help you Utilize your resources, man. Utilize those resources, man. John is going to be there. 100%. Talk to your sales leader. You know, just have an open mind because once you get that process of what works at that organization, you can add your own sauce. You can add your own spin to it. You can add some new processes, implement some new things, but you have to learn from somebody if you want to get to where they're going. The only way to learn is by learning from the person who's there. So that, that's that's real, man. And um, exactly. I'm curious, too, man, to, to, to end it off, I know we're coming up to the, to the end, right? But once once things open back up post-vaccination, right? How do you think like the B2B sales is gonna shift? Do you think it's still gonna be this digital environment? Do you think we're just gonna go back to sitting in person or you know, how how you know how important is that creativity gonna be at that point? The future, man. That's uh that's something that we always have to look forward to. Uh I don't think we need we need to stop going when does sales go back to normal? This is the new normal. Yeah. I do I do not think that once call it, let's say everything magically is done and everything's opened up again, you're going to see all of a sudden face-to-face -face meetings happening 100% of the time. The day yeah. of digital sales is here and information consumption is at an all-time high. The way I look at it is now, salespeople are gonna have to figure out how are we curating the best experiences for our clients in every kind of medium that's possible. And we've gotta get creative digitally speaking. 
all sales enablement needs to be geared towards how are we making our sellers more effective in a digital market space? Because the reality is this, I should be able to effectively sell to somebody via video now and not really think I need that crutch of having to go in person because maybe I want to go back in person. But the reality is, I think a lot of prospects out there would rather just have these video conferences remain. I don't think that day of having people come to your office all the time is something that they want to go back to. This is just so much easier to facilitate. So that future yeah. B2B sales to me, man, is all around experience selling and really diving into that digital world. I, I, I do not to. think we're going back to whatever that previous, the previous normal was. We're in the new normal now, man. It's here to stay. We're in it. We're in it, man. We're in it. I think I think it's only going to accelerate as we continue, right? Because I think everybody's going to get on the yeah. experience selling board, right? So everybody's going to start using their creative chops, and then it's going to be harder to break through the noise. So you have to start essentially now, right? And the best ways to do that, right? Like I've done things like video messaging. I video message people just like this. I, I'll keep it real with you, man. I put my video on, I get the little camera exactly. going, and I just go, hey, John, this is what's up, and this is what I'm thinking, and little minute spiel. I've seen about 60%, you know, success rate with that easily, just right through LinkedIn, right? And just creating content. It doesn't matter about your metrics. I've heard people say, I don't know what to create. Be intentional, be yourself, know who your audience is, build relationships, be a part of the community. That's how you win, man. And doing like going above and beyond like you did with the Starbucks gift cards, you know, exactly. just get to your creative bag, right? That's a great investment. We spend money on tools and all types of craziness that doesn't work or isn't as effective as those things. If somebody who's working at home got four kids and you get a, a free Starbucks card from Greg and it's going to go Greg Wire, it's going to be like, damn, man, this brother actually really know me. He knows I love Starbucks. He did. You're going to get a meeting. You're going to increase your chances exponentially. So guys, if you're listening to this, think about experience, create experience digitally, not only when you're on the phone, but when you're off the phone, right? Be the person that that seller is like, Damn, I like G. Damn, I like Jared. And you exactly. know what? Damn, I want to work with that guy. That's that's exactly. the goal. That's the goal, man. So I know we're we're leading. Damn, this is actually the first time we actually ended right on the thirty the thirty minute mark. <laughs> hey man, look, look, we we flew through this in my mind. I'm like, yo, I feel like Jared and I have so much to speak about. We're gonna have to do podcast episodes. Oh, we 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 doing another one for sure, brother. We definitely doing another one. I just want to thank you so much, man. Like you know, like I said, when I first met you, when I heard your story, brother, like you inspired me. And little do you know, man, like, and I look at you as like a, like a little brother. I look at you and I'm not a little bro you or anything like that, but you, I see a lot of myself in you. You know what I mean? And I didn't have that information. I didn't have the, the, the mentors like that. Everything I did was failure, live off experience to where I am today, brother. And I just want to say, you've got the world ahead of you, man. You know, the, your future is super bright, man. I want you to keep shining and grinding, brother. You know, if there's anything I can do, I got you. I appreciate it. You know, I man. And that big time, man. Appreciate that big time. No, nah, that's all love, man. That's from the heart, brother. And I just want to thank everybody who's joining, who joined in today. Marietta, Becca, I see you. I'm sorry we didn't yes. shout you out earlier. Thank you for everybody's <laughs> watching at YouTube. We're on episode 31. I couldn't thank you guys enough for the support and the love. And we'll be back next week. We got the CEO of Revolt TV, Detavio. That should be a really cool one. Ooh. And yeah, man, and hopefully we're going to keep moving. But thank you, guys. This is another episode of Rankable. I'm Jared. G, thank you again, my brother. Much love. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, my brother. Talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the day.